Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning. This is Emily Bouchard at Wealth Psychology with Jamie and Emily on Sylvia Global Radio. We are so excited about today's show. Thank you for listening. We have a panel discussion today with some phenomenal women who are up to something that everyone needs to know about, and we're going to jump right in. Uh, We have with us today uh, Daria Allen Attar, founder of Broad Circle and who's also a financial advisor. We have Jacqueline Jacobs-Caster, founder of Every Child Foundation. Judy Patrick, the president and CEO of Women's Foundation of California. And we have the founder and, uh, gosh, visionary of Sylvia Global, Gail Sylvia Pullen. And then we also have Lynette Carroll, who's joined us again. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. And Jamie, are you here as well? I am here as well. It's a full house. Yay, Jamie. Welcome from Israel. So we would like to launch in with Daria Allen Attar. Daria, would you tell us about Broad Circle and what you all are up to that's coming up? Well, thank you so much. Broad Circle is a powerful networking group in Los Angeles of senior-level businesswomen. Our focus uh, is entirely on money and power issues for women We hold powerful networking events that allow us to listen to uh, women leaders and build relationships that allow us to increase commerce uh, between women, focusing on really driving revenue for women, growing capital for women, all about money and power all year. But really in December, we have uh, focused entirely on uh, giving back and philanthropy. So we spent 11 months out of the year talking about how we can make a lot of money and have uh, women uh, grab as much power as they can, money and power. Uh, but in December, we talk about giving back. And so we are hosting a wonderful philanthropy event, um, really with the view that uh, the most powerful way to use money sometimes can be giving it back to others who do not have the power or capacity to earn and creating opportunity to earn for those who lack the opportunities in our community. So uh, our event, which is actually going to be on December 13th in uh, Los Angeles, it will be at the Omni Los Angeles from 12 to 2, is called The Power of Collaborative Philanthropy, and we want it to feature women that are catalysts for giving by other women, women who are inspiring philanthropy and uh as a collective, can engage in more powerful philanthropy. So we have a terrific panel of Jacqueline Jacobs-Caster, the founder of Every Child Foundation. Uh, We'll be hearing from Judy Patrick, president and CEO of the Women's Foundation of California, Uh, Gail Sylvia Pullen, uh, CEO of Sylvia Global, and uh, we'll be focusing on Gail Sylvia Pullen's role at also Women Moving Millions, which is a fascinating story. Um, As a producer uh, and uh, moderator of our event, we'll have Jocelyn Tattel, who is at the Skirball Cultural Center, and Cheryl Calhoun, who is a managing director at CBiz, Mayor Hoffman McCann. 
Well, this is fantastic. And if you were to say in a nutshell what you would want every woman who comes to this really extraordinary event to get as a result of it, what would it be? You know, we we really want always to light the fire under women to assume leadership roles in business, to arise and get to the top and also help other women along the way, right? We're all entirely focused on what women can do to help each other uh, in the top echelon of business. But a big part of making a statement about uh, who you are in business is also being engaged wholly in your community and giving back. And as I said before, we'd love to inspire them to feel that one of the most powerful things they can do with money is to give it back to people who are not as capable of earning or creating, you know, basically using money to create opportunities for others. And we hope that these women will inspire Great. Wow. Well, this is really inspiring to hear about. We're going to be launching into a conversation around the emotional aspects of giving and how uh, this is going to play into that with women who are not only powerful and have um, built their income, their wealth, as the women who are part of broad circles do, but also women who are finding themselves in a position of having the capacity to give through um, channels that they didn't necessarily generate that income. And before we do that, we're going to hear from Jacqueline Jacobs-Caster, a little bit about Every Child Foundation and why you're involved in this event. Okay. Well, um, I started Every Child uh, 13 years ago. It was basically an idea I had in the bathtub one day, (laughs) which is completely true, where I think some people do their best thinking, at least I do. And I was very frustrated with the opportunities that I had uh, to give back uh, philanthropically in my community, every time I would join a nonprofit board, all they wanted us to do was focus on putting on big, expensive gala events. And I felt I started looking at the financial success of those events, and they really didn't bring in as much money as you would think. And I felt like we were always being pigeonholed, especially women, into that role, putting on these parties. And, you know, I was an attorney. I have a master's in city and regional planning. In addition, there were people with MBAs, and that's what they were asking us to do. And I felt it wasn't the highest and best use of our talents. And I felt like the money wasn't having as great an impact as it could. So my idea was to basically form a giving circle, which at the time weren't very popular. I'd never heard the term before. And I got uh, the idea was to get 200 women together to each give $5,000 a year, pool the money, and spend the year learning about the needs of children in the Los Angeles area and make one targeted grant to ease suffering of, of children and filling critical unmet needs. And the idea was to leverage the dollars by making one single impactful grant for a new innovative prototype project that could be replicated. And it's now 13 years later. We've We've made... Uh, over $10 million in grants, and you know, initially we didn't have the full million. It took a while to ramp up, but we've just made our seventh full million-dollar grant, actually. And uh, we have an over 95% retention rate of our members, and we have more than 10 spinoff groups that have re- replicated our model. Wow, Jacqueline, that sounds so exciting that you were able to come up with an idea in the bathtub, and I love that you said that. I always say that my best ideas come from having a massage. So really, (laughs) first of all, knowing where we get most creative and then trusting ourselves 
and then watching that dream, that vision grow. I will look forward to hearing more in this call. I would love to hear about how you were able to take it from an idea into not only something that's granted out, you know, almost $10 million, but also had spin-off groups so that people are copycatting it. And that's one of the best forms of uh, knowing that you're successful in this area. So I'm going to come back to that. But first, we want to also introduce Judy Patrick, who is the president and CEO of Women's Foundation of California. Judy, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your organization? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I'm just excited to be part of this conversation. Uh, the Women's Foundation of California is a 35-year-old statewide public foundation that has as our vision uh, to be part of creating a state where women and their families are economically secure. We've been doing this work, as I said, over the last 35 years through uh, several strategies. One of them, obviously, is we're a foundation and we make grants. Uh, to organizations uh, serving women and their families. Uh, we also um, run a, a policy institute to train women to change the systems that uh, impact women's lives. This is an institute that operates in a year-long program that operates in Sacramento. <laughs> From our inception, we have also said that part of our uh, mission is to help uh, women, to provide avenues for women to be philanthropists. At the time that we were founded, it was quite common that uh, a, a man and a couple would give uh, a much larger gift, for example, to his alma mater than uh, the woman in that family would. And we have really been educating women as philanthropists from the beginning. One of the ways that we do that uh, is uh, a collaborative philanthropy strategy uh, called Donor Circles. We've been operating Donor Circles over the past uh, 15 years. We now have eight of them across the state of California. These are, and two of them are in Los Angeles. These are uh, groups of uh, people, most of them women. We have over 250 uh, individuals involved in the Donor Circle. They include two men. Um, that uh, come together and pool their resources to learn uh, uh, deeply about an issue uh, that they want to have an impact on, uh, then do the research on possible organizations and uh, implement uh, a grant-making strategy to those groups. On average, our donor circles give about a million dollars a year to groups in California serving women and girls. How remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable, isn't it, Emily and Jamie? It's um, such a reflection of what the philanthropy um, series on Sylvia Global is, why we exist, and the power of the Wealth Psychology Hour, because women control such an abundance. And I don't have the, the exact figure off the top of my head, but the numbers over the next 10 years are going to increase uh, for women in terms of earnings and in our giving. And I think that the work that, um, is being, that's being done by each of the women expressed that's expressed here is a reflection of that and our influence for other women and girls and our ability to still be inclusive of men as well. 
just absolutely um, so exciting and to know that they're coming together through a network such as Broad Circle. And uh, Gail, Sylvia, what, would you speak into what, what it is that has you um, excited about being part of this panelist group and um, a little bit about the vision that you see here? Well, we were introduced through an organization called Women Moving Millions. And the purpose of, you know, the, the story behind Women Moving Millions is, you know, two sisters, Helen and Swanee Hunt, the Hunt sisters, out of Texas, um, you know, pledging, you know, wanting to pledge and planning to pledge, you know, several million dollars to support women and girls and to gather their friends to make these big, bold, passionate commitments at an individual level and to do it in a way that was really unprecedented. And so they had originally set a goal, you know, of approximately a hundred and you know eighty two million to be pledged by a hundred and you know two donors um over a five year period. Well, you know, it exceeded two hundred and forty million. And the the outreach and the community now consists of women around the world who aren't necessarily we don't make our million dollar pledges um we don't give them money to Women Moving Millions, our pledges and our funds actually go to organizations that support women and girls. Our philanthropy is targeting women and girls of a million plus. And so it's been quite an amazing uh, evolution because it really puts women, um, you know, it takes thinking in the bathtub um, to a whole other level, you know, in terms of the idea that women can actually have a big, bold impact around the world at this level and to take our dreams to an even higher place. And so I, too, love that bathtub analogy because so much great, you know, great thinking comes in these private moments but ends up touching the world in very public ways. So my involvement with WMM is um, is to promote that message and to encourage women to think and see even bigger and bolder and to know that we can all make a difference no matter what our level of giving and our capacity, um, whatever our capacity may be, but not to be afraid to to make bigger commitments and to stretch ourselves. And the network consists of some very warm, wonderful women, um, just like the ladies on this call. Some have earned their um, wealth, um, like me, through business. Others have inherited wealth, and then others have married into wealth. And it comes with its own sets of challenges, and so they know that there's a community whether it's a broad circles community or a WMM community where we can feel welcomed and share our our dreams, our passions, our trials and tribulations, our words of wisdom and encouragement, and to know that there's a place um, for all of us is um, just absolutely fabulous. And then for Sylvia Global, I think the, the fact that we're having this roundtable discussion is a reflection of you know, one of my own, you know, twilight moment dreams, you know, between 
two in the morning and four. It just kind of comes to you like, gee, there's no platform, no media outlet that I can go to or direct people to to hear about the wonderful work that's being done for and by women uh, around the world and to also serve as a place of connect a place of connective tissue for what all of us are doing globally. And so I thank all of you for being here today. Oh, thank you. Jamie, do you want to speak a little bit about uh what you see here in terms of um what these women are up to and what you see in terms of the wealth psychology piece? Absolutely. I'm really first of all just I'm so delighted, both Emily and I um, and Lynedra are so delighted to have um, you guys as a panel on. And what I'm seeing is a huge um, theme running through around women being in connection with one, with one another and that ideas that might happen in the bathtub or happen, you know, at those wee hours that Gail Sylvia talked about really come to fruition um, not individually, but as a group effort. And I think that that's something um, not solely unique about women, but particularly unique in that I, I think women enjoy being in interaction together. And I wonder that um, each of the panelists could speak about that connection, what it's done. We want to we bring philanthropy also to a personal level, of what it's done for you and how you've, been, you've benefited by working within the community of women that you're working with to make these changes in the world. Um, okay, well, this is Jackie. And first of all, one of the great perks of the Every Child Foundation is that women have made the most amazing friendships you can imagine, lifelong friendships. And it's something wonderful to really bond over giving to your community, especially helping children. And there's been all kinds of interesting synergies that have developed from the organization. The women have gotten an education about how to give away money. We we hire a grant consultant who works with us because we're only making a single targeted million-dollar grant each year and we can't make a mistake. And she does the initial education, but the women themselves educate each other because the women on our grant screening board who help narrow down the proposals to the final two that our entire membership votes, votes between, um, the women uh, who've been on the, that grant board longer have this uh, body of knowledge that they're able to impart to the newer members. And it's it's really interesting to see how each woman, each of the women gives of herself and, and teaches the others and, and also the, the leadership skills that, that are imparted. And it's also wonderful to see how many of the women have taken ownership of the organization. I mean, when I first launched it, I was kind of the jack of all trades and I was kind of overseeing every aspect of the organization. And over time, different women have stepped up and developed skills and really taken over the grant monitoring aspects, the grant screening. We now have a public policy committee where we do advocacy on issues related to some of the, the grants that we've made because we've acquired so much knowledge on some of these issues that we can have broader impacts. And there's just been so many... Uh, synergies and spin-off effects that it's it's mind-boggling. That's amazing. Well, and, and this is Judy. Let me just build on that a little bit. I would agree with what Jackie has said that 
you know, the community building uh, is one of the first things that happens. Um, our experience is that often uh, women who have resources end up feeling pretty isolated, and uh, this is one place where they can actually uh, acknowledge that they're a donor. Uh, we've had many women come uh, really afraid uh, to be uh, thought of as a donor. They have frequently listed themselves as anonymous donors, and uh, in the process of being part of a circle, uh, they come to the place where they begin to identify themselves as an activist donor, for example. So part of what happens, I think, is the community gets built, that women get uh, more comfortable in their own skin, and uh, that leadership, as Jackie said, leadership is really a critical piece of this. Uh, we've had several uh, women come who are just starting uh, a family foundation or just starting a small corporate foundation are trying to figure out how to do grant making, how to make decisions about where they want to put their contributions, how to do a good site visit, how to uh, decide on a set of values for their grant making. And this is all something that they begin to explore in this very safe environment of um, a donor circle. Some of our donor circles have a ritual of going out to dinner or lunch afterwards. Uh, as Jackie said, many there have been many long friendships that have formed. But the community, the cooperative aspect of it in terms of being part of a community and learning skills and developing your leadership in very safe space, I think is one of the uh, strongest features of this kind of giving. You know, Judy, this is Gail Sylvia. I, I'm so appreciative of what you just shared with the audience because it took me a good probably about 20 years to find the answers to the questions that you just, you know, just put out there in just a matter of a few moments. It, I uh, felt it during my, process, my own personal journey of, of acquiring wealth. There was always, whether I had Tremendous financial resources or no, you know, minimal, absolute bare bone, minimal financial resources. There is within women, uh, and it's not to the exclusion of men, but for this conversation, women, you know, we are givers. You know, there uh, within my family and our cultural background and our community, um, the word philanthropy wasn't necessarily a part of our day-to-day -day vocabulary but the importance of giving. And I didn't know how to or where to go to feel safe in asking these questions and not be judged um, critically um, as my own philanthropic, as that word philanthropy entered my vocabulary and my peers um, were um, looking and doing things, wanting to have impact in a bigger, bolder way before I landed in, for example, WML. And so I think that the wonder of like Jacqueline's example and what you just shared, Judy, through the Women's Foundation of giving circles and knowing that we can all start somewhere, um, and no matter what our level, and find a place of safety and community where we're welcome no matter where where we are in the stage of our our giving. And this is Jackie, not to sound reverse sexist, but I think women are more willing to put their egos aside and work together and build consensus. 
And mm. I'm always just, I, I marvel at every year we start out with about 30 incredible proposals that are so compelling and we have to narrow it down to two. And it's very difficult because it's they're all, you know, heartbreaking kinds of issues that are helping children. And somehow people are able to put their egos aside and, and come to agreement without a lot of, you know, um, angst. Well, there's angst, but without, you know... Um, Tension and pe- people do it in a in a relatively smooth way, and I'm always mar- I just marvel at that, and I think that's a skill women have. Jackie, you also um, you know with Every Child Foundation, it's with women reinventing philanthropy. You know, one of my personal you know missions is how we redefine and reimage you know this word philanthropy because it's not to the exclusion. It's not not intended to be um, to the exclusion of anyone, but being able to know that we can all have a place in that giving circle and that giving arena. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, the spinoff groups that we've inspired they they're all very different. Uh, some of them are co-ed groups; they're they're men and women together. Some are are groups of children. I, I know of of one for sure that we help get started. That's that's a, a, a kids group. Some are just women, and some are different. They're all different demographic groups, and they have different issues that they're addressing, and they're all different price points too. So the model can be can 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 go in many different directions. Yeah, we've found the same thing. Actually, our uh, every one of our circles is a slightly different model. It, they all have the, the all of they all have the components of. Uh, education about an issue, very uh, respectful grant making, and sort of building a community amongst the members. The, but the San Diego grant uh, uh, giving circle, for example, uh, was founded by three women who uh, had uh, really uh, high physical positions in business or in the community in some way. And one of their goals was to really price their donor circle so that uh, younger women could get involved earlier in philanthropy. So they offer um, lower price points for women in their 20s, slightly higher for women in their 30s, and then if you're over 40, it's it's all the same. But uh, they have over 100 members, many of them younger women, who have have chosen to give earlier in their lives than most people do uh, to learn about philanthropy early, and they provided such energy uh, to this donor circle there. I love the mixture. This is Emily of the combination of them providing the energy and then also the um, cross-generational and um, all the different multiple perspectives that can happen uh, from people that have maybe been doing it longer or people that come from a different perspective around giving. It's so rich. And um wanted to just take a moment and jump in and ask um, – uh, our listeners to just know that we are listening to Wealth Psychology on Sylvia Global, and we have an incredible group of panelists here. Daria Allen Attar, who is the founder of Broad Circle, uh, Judy Patrick, who is the president and CEO of Women's Foundation of California, Jackie Jacobs Castor, the founder of Every Child Foundation, Gail Sylvia, the founder of Sylvia Global, and also a member of Women Moving Millions. And we have Lynette Carroll here as well. And I wanted to make sure 
before we hear from Daria about your perspective on this whole conversation that we've just been in the midst of, that our listeners know that they can call in at 347-215-6138, or you can go to our Facebook page at Sylvia Global or um, Twitter as well, and send in your questions for this remarkable group of women. And Daria, as you're speaking about uh, what you see here in terms of the power of community, what you're creating, uh, I'd love for you to speak a little bit about what you are up to with this event that you all are doing and how you see supporting women who are coming there who maybe have, wow, this is something I know I should be doing, but I have a lot of... um, you know, I might have some barriers or resistance within me around not believing in myself enough or uh, not really even knowing where to begin and feeling quite overwhelmed. You know, as well as psychologists, we really look at what are the emotions that make it so people aren't able to be as fulfilled or act as, um, in a more empowered way around their giving and around their spending and around their building of their wealth as well. So, Daria, would you be willing to start that part? Well, you know, the, the, that's a fascinating um, part of this whole experience for me of building Broad Circle, right? Because we're, as I said before, 11 months of the year talking about how do we as women, what do we need to do to, you know, to go beyond that breaking the glass ceiling and just, you know, uh, make ourselves uh, equal on pay, equal on power, uh Etc. Right, and a lot of that is um, we bring people together that can inspire others and build relationships that will allow them to uh, go to the next level with their own journey on the money and power game. And it's really what's really been the catalyst for most people to achieve more through Broad Circle is the relationships that they build in the room. The panelists inspire uh, and the women in the room build relationships and become resources for each other, inspire each other, become cheerleading groups for each other. And that's what really is the greatest magic of Broad Circle. We're bringing these people that have a a point of contact that they have a very directed conversation about money and power in one room. Now, what happens with philanthropy is that uh, it's the same kind of dialogue. And I think the power here is that for many women, just making money or just achieving power is not enough meaning. And so what they have to understand and what they do understand is that having the ability to allocate money to others through philanthropy, uh, catalyze change, impact your community, that's where the real power is. And so the, the journey of making money and achieving power in the business world, the way that you create meaning is through philanthropy, through uh, actually employing your values out there and uh, doing something impactful for your community. So I think really it's the relationships in the room and the inspiration that the panel brings uh, that is the catalyst. I mean, we've seen this happen with Broad Circle in that women are uh, building such strong relationships that they become inspiration for each other. And we've seen 
business transactions happen and people uh, building relationships that help them achieve different goals like serving on corporate boards or whatever. But on the philanthropy front, that is also the inspiration that we seek. And for many women, they want to have their money have meaning, and this is the greatest way to inspire that. Oh, sorry, I could uh, kiss you for that comment. This is Jamie. I think that, uh, Gail Sylvia, when you talked about uh, redefining and reimagining philanthropy, um, and part of what Emily and I are trying to bring with this conversation is also reimagining wealth and reimagining what fulfillment and happiness is. And I think, Daria, you just hit on it perfectly, that it's really about meaning. At the end of the day, it's not necessarily um, what is your net worth in terms of money, but how you put your values into action, the legacy that you've led, the friendships that you've made, um, and how you paid it forward. So I think all all of the panelists have really spoken in a lovely way into that. Thank you. And this is Jackie. Sure. I just want to add one thing, and something that's been very key to the success of Every Child Foundation and the fact that we have such high member retention rates is because we have a grant monitoring committee that goes back and visits every one of our projects at some point. Um, each each grant we make, we have a contract with the grantee, and, and there's there's a monitoring period built in. And we provide feedback to the donors as to what their money is doing and the number of children it's served, the way it's changed their lives, et cetera. And if you don't have that sort of uh, feedback to give, it, the, the the giving isn't as satisfying, and I think that's a real key thing to to provide donors in a donor circle or any other kind of nonprofit organization is is let them know what their money's doing and then it's 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 being well spent. Yeah, this is so important. This is Emily. I'm so grateful you said that because that uh, empowerment comes from also really knowing that you're trusting that uh, the decisions you're making are actually being fulfilled the way that you had uh, anticipated and that had been promised. And that due diligence piece is such an important part of saying, yes, I want to give, I want to come from my heart, and I also want to be smart about this so I can do the most good for the most people. It's powerful. And we are really excited. We have some listener questions. And ladies, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is a global show. And while you're speaking about very personal local events and circles, I also want you to hear that we have somebody from Basel, Switzerland, and uh, their question is, are giving circles unique to the United States? And I was wondering if anybody on your panel has experience with giving circles happening in other countries as well. Well, this is Jackie again, and I know for a fact that there's at least two in England because we help uh, the women get them started. So there's there's uh, one called um, I'm trying to remember, the Grove Trust in London, and another one called the Women's Fund. The, I think it's called the Women's Fund. I can't think of the exact name off the top of my head. Women's uh, Women's Fund of uh, Great Britain or something like that. And uh, those two have been at least three or four years old at this at this point. They were started about three or four years ago, and I know they're they're doing quite well and I'm not sure what other countries there these might exist in. What's so powerful is it's such a it's such a doable, simple model that any woman who's hearing this anywhere in the world could do this and could start with like those two sisters in Texas that started women moving millions. It doesn't 
uh, matter where you're located. It's making a decision about, wow, I want to do this and I want to do it with a group of women that are also interested and then seeing who shows up. And with that in mind, Judy, we have a question for you. Uh, This is from another listener. Uh, in terms of showing up not just with our giving and philanthropy, but also in terms of moving into policy. So this person asks, um, uh, can Judy speak about the importance of the Women's Policy Institute? Jackie made reference to Every Child Foundation moving into policy arenas. Is this an essential part of women's foundations in general? So Judy, could you start, and then Jackie will have you follow up with that? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, um, there's a wonderful women's foundation in the Netherlands called Mama Cash. They're a, a partner of ours. Uh, interesting that we have a question from the Netherlands. Uh, policy work is uh, becoming increasingly important in women's foundations, I would say. Uh, we started the Women's Policy Institute when we did uh, an evaluation of all of our grant making over a 20-year period, and what the external uh, evaluator found is that while we had impacted the lives of many individual women and strengthened the organizations providing services, the fundamental conditions that impacted the lives of women and girls hadn't really changed. And this is what pushed us into saying, all right, we are going to fund systemic change work, policy advocacy work. We're not going to fund direct service unless it is linked to changing policy. So, for example, we wouldn't fund... uh, beds in a domestic violence shelter unless that shelter was also taking the lessons that they had learned from the women coming there to try to change uh, state state funding for domestic violence shelters. When we began to talk to our grant partners, and one of the characteristics of the kind of grant making that we do is that uh, we see uh, the organizations we fund as partners, we believe that solutions are best found in the communities where the problems exist. And we went out to our partners and said, you know, we're really moving our grant making uh, towards uh, policy advocacy. And they said, that's well and good, but we don't know how to do that. That began uh, pushing us to think about, okay, how do we build this set of skills in communities? And women who are already leading have strong content knowledge about an issue, be it trafficking or domestic violence or reproductive rights. They have strong content knowledge, but they don't really know how to move policy and legislation. And that's really what brought us uh, to uh, the point of doing the Women's Policy Institute, which not only, and it never had the intention of passing policy, but these women are fierce, and as I said earlier, they've gotten 16 bills signed into law, and if you want to look at impact, that is such a measure of impact because we can calculate, you know, the impact of every one of those bills on the lives of Californians. Um, and this also has so built, it's transformed the lives of the women who've done it, but it's so built the capacity of the individual organizations to understand their work in a much larger context because they have a staff member who has done that for a year and learned to understand it. So now we've... Uh, uh, we're replicating the Women's Policy Institute in five other uh, states. We've had a lot of inquiries from other countries about it. Uh, but I think that if we really want to change the lives of particularly low-income women, I would say all women, but our focus is on low-income women, uh, we have to do policy work. And I think that has to be done uh, by organizations in, in communities. And women's funds often 
are the groups uh, that fund those uh, organizations. Wow, this is so great. Thank you, Judy. Uh, Jackie, did you have something you wanted to say in terms of the, the to follow up with how you bridged these as well? Well, you know, when you start making grants, as I mentioned, our grants have to be new prototypes that are trying out new solutions to existing problems facing kids. And when they're successful, they're, we we have this credibility now that we funded some, you know, really great new solution. And and we've learned so much about the issue along the way that, that it seems ridiculous not to take that that uh, power that we have because that's really what it is at that point. It's a, it's power that we've achieved to try to to influence the propagation of those solutions. And, and a perfect example was we funded a, a project for aging out homeless youth when kids turn 18. Uh, they age out of foster care and they're essentially homeless. And there uh, was a project that we funded that provided mentoring and su- support services and housing for those kids. And it's been so successful that we learn more and more about the issue. And it turns out uh, we helped to advocate for a bill that passed nationally and then it had to be matched in each state that allows for kids to stay in care till 21 if they so choose. And uh we were very involved in in the advocacy of that and uh so that's the kind of thing that you know we got so, so informed we became so informed and and we became very uh, uh we were a credible expert i guess at at a certain point and that's a lot of leverage oh very much so wow that's so near and dear to my heart that was my first job out of college was working in an independent living home for kids that were going to be aged out that is so powerful. Wow. You know, the, one of the things that is so uh, underlying all the messages that you all are speaking about is women being moved by an emotional component, something that really speaks to our hearts, something that has us say, wow, there's something in the world that we really care deeply about and we want to see what we can do to make a difference. And then starting locally, starting with other women making a decision about how you're going to move, and then seeing there's a way to be able to have an impact on a much larger scale with policy. And one of the things that I'm aware of as we're speaking about this is if somebody's listening, they could have a sense of inspiration, apprehension, and overwhelm around, well, what about little me? And, well, can I do this? And, you know, can I, I can see how this event that you're doing is about... Uh, allowing women to come and see, wow, how do I tap into the inspiration and move through the overwhelm or this uh, maybe this sense of, well, you know, they can do it but not me. Uh, and, you know, Daria, you work with these women that are movers and shakers and are out there and they're about power and making money. And there's a lot of women that are listening to this show that may not be of that caliber but have other reasons why this matters to them and are they welcome as well can they come and and follow this wave of inspiration and see how they might fit into this if they're inheritors if they're somebody who's just gone through a loss be it um maybe a parent has passed away or a spouse or maybe they've gone through a divorce and they're looking at what's next or is this really geared towards women that are movers and shakers and are uh, heads of companies or are really into having the most power they can and influence and being on board, which is phenomenal. Just want to make sure, is this something that can uh, cross 
um, and be for all women that are inspired by it. No, absolutely. You know, we, we actually find that our philanthropy event, our annual philanthropy event, is our largest event every year. Um, you know, we really encourage anyone who's interested in the topic to join us. You can just buy a ticket online at broadcircle.com for this event and join us. Of course, it's very difficult to get here from Switzerland uh, for this event. However, if you are in the Southern California community and you can come to uh, this event, it's at the Omni Los Angeles on December 13th at noon, and you can buy a ticket online at broadcircle.com. Anyone is welcome, and in fact, men are welcome. So we invite men and women to join us at the general networking events. Uh, you know, the, the exclusive kind of conversations that you're referring to or, or conversations that some people may feel excluded by um, are, are, you know, really happening at our um, members level. Uh, the members level uh, for Broad Circle is very targeted to women that are either senior executives or senior service providers to the business community. Um, so, so the core of our membership uh, is uh, our our bottom line broads and our executive broads are women that are fairly senior. However, you know, I think one of the most uh, interesting things that I have heard recently on the topic of philanthropy was um, there's a website called givesmart.org, and they did interviews with um, very wealthy philanthropists, a hundred of them, and so many of them, you know, didn't have money early on in their lives, yet they were engaged in philanthropy and giving back. And it was it's really, for many people, a lifetime journey. And in fact, uh, I think that, you know, we all can get meaning out of giving at any level of giving and wealth. Um, so, for example, I think Jackie's organization uh, is not seeking a million-dollar contribution uh, by its members. And, Jackie, if I'm misspeaking, please uh, correct me. Uh, while the organization that Gail Sylvia Pullen is involved with is seeking very large donations uh, of its members. So I think that the organizations represented here and also the um, uh, Women's Foundation are giving access to women at all levels of wealth. And panel, if I'm incorrect, please correct me. Well, this is great. Oh, This I'm is sorry. Jackie. I Jackie just wanted to add, um, yeah, that that's true. In fact, I'm speaking at a group tonight. It's, it's a, a um, mixed-gender group, and they are, I believe their annual donation is $250 a, a, a person. Well, I'm so glad so, you said that because it is it's so much it's so much about the spirit of giving and not necessarily the dollar amount. And we also know that there are listeners here who have the capacity to give a substantial dollar amount, but they're not even sure where to begin. And so well, I have a suggestion. I have a suggestion. This is Jackie again. There are community foundations. If you don't want to go through the the effort, the 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 work to put to set up your own 501c3 and incorporate and all that stuff you can uh you can contact your local community foundation and you can oftentimes set up a foundation that's that they can kind of oversee for you and you can use their 501c3 and i know a number of smaller groups that have done that um and uh that's something that you can look into if right. you want to yeah, donor 
donor advised funds are another one. Oh, yes. Um, Judy, do so you want to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, the Women's Foundation also does that. We have the same tax status. Uh, at, we are a community foundation that whose community happens to be mostly women. We have um, several donor advised funds that are part of what we do. So we do a very we do exactly what Jackie was talking about um, for women who Maybe. don't want don't want to set up their own foundation. Well, not only women, but couples sometimes too. Yeah. You all are anticipating the next listener question. This is so exciting. Um, you know, Jamie's in Israel. I'm in Northern California. We have a global company at wealthlegacygroup.net, and we're reaching people in Switzerland, in San Francisco, and we have a listener in, I don't even know how to pronounce the town's name, Hagnatna Guam. I apologize if I totally destroyed that. Uh what they want to know is how can I start a broad circle in my community and a formal giving circle? So, ladies, you are having quite the impact in the world by having this conversation right now. So, uh, Daria, would you speak a little bit about if somebody is in Guam, how they might uh, take this inspiration from this call and actually get started? Well, you know, the the broad circle community is uh, – currently unique to Los Angeles and Southern California. We have an online presence. We're really only 11 months out of the year about making money and then one month out of the year about giving it back. Uh, and we do, it's, it's an interesting question because we had a lot of inquiry because of our web presence uh, domestically in the United States and internationally about how to create broad circle. It's just an idea I had in the bathtub. Go ahead and implement it. You know, I invited 25 <laughs> of my girlfriends, and it turned into 2,500 girlfriends. Just do it. My my advice to anybody who wants to bring women together to talk about how do you get more money and power is just do it. Do it in your own community. I think what uh, Jacqueline and Judy and Gail can share with you on the philanthropy front uh, is probably where your question was going. Yes, and what's so powerful about this, ladies, is we want to make sure each of you speaks into how you overcame any internal resistance when it came to just doing it. Because it's one thing to have a vision of, you know, calling up 25 girlfriends. It's another to have it grow exponentially. And, you know, Jackie, you came from, wow, I want to do this. Did any of you experience any resistance or internally or externally and how you overcame that? And, Jackie, would you start with that one? Oh well, the first person I ran it by was my husband, and he is a he's a LASIK surgeon, so he's a very detail oriented guy, and he played devil's advocate, and we went over it and over it, and he couldn't really um, yeah, find the loose link there. It just it, I I had you know an answer for all all of his concerns. And he finally just said, I think this has legs. So then I just started running it by one friend at a time. And the same thing. And I, I ran it by some really smart women. And nobody was able to kind of find the loose, the, you know, the loose peg in the, uh, whatever the word, loose component uh, that didn't stand up under scrutiny. And so the, I kept hearing three words from all these women. And it was, count me in, count me in. And then I thought, this is really... Uh, this is going to go somewhere. So that gave me the confidence. So you just, you know, start small. You don't have to immediately just set something up and then recruit 100 women. Recruit one at a time. And then once I had a core group of about 10 women that were interested, 
that's when I formed the 501c3. That's when I went for the uh, incorporating. You have to incorporate first and get the 501c3 tax status. And then I put on coffees in my home and invited people uh, to hear the, the vision. And and I just invited small groups. And, and so it was you know a little bit at a time. You don't have to launch it in a great big fashion all at once. I like that. Lots of little steps. Judy, do you have anything you would offer? Well, I would say that the Women's Foundation came to this work by listening to our donors. Uh, the first circle that we started 15 years ago happened because we had three donors uh, who had significant resources at the time and were all very interested in um, women's economic security and wanted to learn about it. One was a woman who uh, was just starting her foundation. Another was a woman who had made a significant sale of property and wanted to give back. And she just listened to the Patty Chang, who was our CEO at the time, listened to them and said, would you like to do this with others? And they were so excited about the idea that they could actually uh, learn about this and make a difference with um, other people. So I would say, you know, in some ways the key obstacle that was overcome, if it was even an obstacle, was just stopping to listen. Great. Thank and you. Well, I, I, I want to add one more thing. Uh, I've okay. actually been working on a manuscript uh, to just to teach other people how to put together giving circles. So if anybody's interested in uh, following up with me, I can give out my email address, and when it's ready, I can, uh, you know, get get you copies. Oh, Jackie, that's fantastic. So a couple things. <laughs> this is such a phenomenal conversation. Um, I want to make sure our listeners know that Lynetra Carroll had to drop off unexpectedly, and she apologizes that she wasn't able to be part of the conversation. She was really enjoying it. And uh, I wanted to just say that I also interviewed a woman named Kathy LeMay yesterday uh, for Gail Sylvia, and she is the uh, founder of Raising Change, and she has a book called The Generosity Plan, which is also a great resource for women who are uh, needing to overcome some internal resistance and needing uh, maybe a internal place to start first in terms of, wow, where do I begin when there's so many things in the world to put my attention on, uh, which can be a nice addition to what you all are doing. And she spoke very specifically, which speaks to what you said, Jackie, about be particular about who you share your desire to give with. Uh, you want to make sure that people that you can trust that are not going to be immediate naysayers or judge you and uh, people that are really going to uplift and support you and ask helpful, constructive questions but not uh, dampen your inspiration and your desire. It's very, very important. And as we come to the top of the hour, this has gone so quickly, we are going to wrap up in just a moment with Jamie. I wanted to let you all know we have another listener from New Hampshire who is wondering about the characteristics that differentiate generational giving. And it's such a huge question that I think we may need to invite you all back. But Judy, can you speak just a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of the intergenerational uh, impact of the giving circles that you're in? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... I, I think some of what, uh, some of the the difference is, is uh, what's out in in popular culture right now, which is, you know, uh, younger people are interested in um, more uh, instant giving, uh, 
something that they can get involved in right away. They're interested uh, in pairing their giving with uh, engagement and action. And I think one of the reasons the San Diego uh, Giving Circle has been so successful is because the younger women who joined it uh, can get involved. They've created the, there's there are lots of things for them to do, and they've done that in, in as as one of their ways of giving back. I think uh, that uh, certainly baby boomers tend to be joiners, um, become members more than younger people of younger generations, and that's one of the things that we think about a lot of uh, a lot of uh, in a lot of our work is how do we provide opportunities to give and be engaged uh, that let people move on, um, that let people learn something and take it someplace else and use it. Um, there's some uh, difference uh, in issue interest. Uh, so we have found that donor circle, we have, for example, a donor circle in a private girls' school, and we also have, this, as I've said, the San Diego donor circle. These are the circles that probably have our youngest members. And they're very interested in, in leadership and giving to groups that are building the leadership of girls and women. When you look at uh, uh, one of our more established and older donor circles, they are really focused on uh, more specific uh, systemic change. So I think there is also that difference generationally that people are interested in different things at different points in their lives. Great. Thank well, you. thank you. We really want to thank you for being on the show, and we hope, like Emily said, that you will agree to come back because there's just so much meat, and I think we just started to dive in. Um, so I hope that all of you will agree to come back and be um, interviewed again and have this rich conversation. Um, again, I want to thank Daria Allen Attar, who's the founder of Broad Circle and Jacqueline Jacob Castor, who's the founder of Every Child Foundation, and Judy Patrick, the president and CEO of Women's Foundation of California, and, of course, Gail Sylvia Pullen, who is the founder of Sylvia Global and a member of Women Moving Millions. And as always on Wealth Psychology with Jamie and Emily, we want to leave you with some useful tools. So we're going to begin with our evocative question. I want to ask you, you've heard each woman here speak about what uh, interested her and the problem she saw in the world and how she thought about going about making a difference. So our question to our audience members is, what problems in the world are you most passionate about solving? And our inspiring invitation is to consider who in your network you would be thrilled to open up a conversation about giving and strategic philanthropy with in the near future. And as uh, so many of the people said on this call, is really being strategic about who you open that conversation with. And it should be somebody that you trust, somebody that you enjoy and respect, um, and you can see where, where that power can go by having that conversation. We so with only 90 seconds, we only have 90, 90 seconds, seconds left. We've so mentioned we have... a couple useful tools. We will put them on the website, and I want to add in addition catalytic women. And, again, just thank everybody for being part of this dynamic conversation about collaborative philanthropy. Thank you and all. Sylvia, Hi, Emily. Would you like, 
Dale, Sylvia, would you like to jump in? I just want to. Uh, close yeah, up? I just want to thank every, Yeah, I just want to thank everyone for being here today. It's phenomenal work that's being done by the Women's Foundation. Um, Daria, your vision for broad circles is just um, reaching broader circles. And Jacqueline, thank you so much for the incredible work you're doing at Every Child. Um, we'll see everybody next week, and thanks so much for being here on SylviaGlobal.com. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you.